0: Hello everyone, welcome back. This is The InDesigner, the podcast that provides information, instruction, and insight to users of Adobe InDesign. I'm your host, Michael Murphy, and this is episode 13, the third part of our Nested Style Sheets tutorial. Before we dive into wrapping up this topic, I would just like to point out to people, if in case they're not aware, that Between May 15th and May 20th, there will be two back-to-back conferences, one concentrating on InDesign, the other on the Creative Suite in Chicago, And uh, I have never been to one of these events, so I can't say for sure what it's going to be like, but I am going to this one, and it looks like all the heavy hitters are there in this field, Uh, David Blattner, Anne-Marie Concepcion, uh, Sandy Cohen, Terry White, lots of uh, great resources out there from bona fide experts, so check out the website, see what they have to offer, Uh, if your time and budget allow, it might be worth checking out. In the meantime, one last little bit of upfront business. On the iTunes Music Store, you can post reviews of the InDesigner podcast right on iTunes for other people to see. So if you like the podcast and you feel like sharing the love, please feel free to give me a few stars and a couple of sentences about the podcast itself. And lastly... If you did not watch Episodes 11 and 12, please go back and do so now. A lot of this stuff is going to be lost on you if you haven't familiarized yourself with the basics covered in Parts 1 and 2. So, if everyone is caught up and ready, let's wrap up the Nested Style Sheets trilogy, as it were, here in Episode 13 with Part 3. If you've seen Episodes 11 and 12, you're probably a little bit tired of this example. I don't blame you. I am, uh pretty much finished with it myself except for one little thing that I want to use uh, this for to to deal with flexibility in InDesign style sheets and we want to build flexibility in so that you can accommodate and not have to deal with editorial changes uh, that aren't of real significance so, One of the things we have here built into this style is we've got what's new and the value as bold lead in text up to one colon. If we uh, edit the what's new style and look at its drop cap and nested style settings you'll see that it uses bold, leading through one colon and we set that up in episode eleven now that's fine for this example but what if an editor decides that instead of a colon uh... what's new should be its own sentence it should have a question mark after it and instead of the value it should also be a question uh, along the lines of why it's important to you and that's not actually a question so that's gonna end in a period well you can see that totally screws this whole style sheet up it is no longer doing what we expected it to do now there are a couple of ways to deal with this uh, for what's new itself, you might want to edit that and say that uh, it's bold lead in through one question mark and that would certainly deal with it for what's new but it's not solving the problem for the value because uh, there's no question mark in there, it's a period. So you could change that and instead of through one question mark say through one sentence because they're both legitimate sentences. They end with a punctuation mark. What if it wasn't a sentence? What if somebody went back to a colon? A colon is not how a sentence ends. So you're back to this being screwed up. The colon that worked before now no longer works. So you want to build flexibility in. Let's go back to what's new and edit that you want to be able to deal with a sentence something that ends in a punctuation mark but you also want to be able to factor in something that ends in a colon or something maybe um, through an m dash a sentence is not going to take all of those things into account so we ruled out question mark that's not going to work but what if we wanted to say put a bold lead in through a question mark or a period or an exclamation point or a colon or an N dash or an M dash? Well, we just did. All you have to do is put all of the possible style ending delimiters in there, and InDesign will deal with the first one that it encounters as the instruction to move on, and we will see how that works. Let's click OK, and you'll notice that what's important, why it's important to you, which ends in a colon, is working, and what's new, which ends in a question mark, is also working. If why it's important to you got finished off with an m dash, that would also work. So that's what I'm talking about with building flexibility into style sheets. Anticipate what changes might be coming your way wherever possible, see if you can accommodate for that in instances like you see here, and you will be good to go. So we are now done with this example once and for all, and we're gonna move on to something new. I'm going to Deal with the thing that made me very happy when I had to deal with nested style sheets, and it continues to make my life easier on a day-to-day basis. And that is dealing with bulleted lists. Uh, bulleted lists in Quark Express were the bane of my existence. My magazine is is just crazy for bulleted lists. They're everywhere. They're in columns. They're in features. They're in departments. People love the bulleted list. Unfortunately, formatting them in Quark Express was a manual exercise. Every bullet point had to be dealt with individually, Uh, the setting of tabs, things like that. There was no way to consistently make it an automated function. And, you know, sometimes there are different types of bulleted lists. This one happens to have essentially a flush left indent with a hanging bullet. But sometimes that doesn't always look great in your body copy. Sometimes you want a different type of bulleted list. Maybe you want the entire thing indented. Maybe you want just the first line indent. Maybe you want the whole thing with the consistent left indent, but no hanging bullet. If you notice, I have style set up. Bulleted list one, bulleted list two, bulleted list three, and bulleted list four. Um, I have also taken into account the fact that uh, some of these have what could be bold lead-ins. Concentration, indicators, volume, decreases. Uh, I have bulleted list 1 with lead-in, bulleted list 2 with lead-in, bulleted list 3 with lead-in, and bulleted list 4 with lead-in. I have taken into account just about every bulleted list that I'm going to encounter uh, basically in my magazine and distilled it down to four styles, each with their own variation. And you'll notice that as I click through these, I have not retyped anything. I haven't put in any additional tabs, I haven't put in any additional characters, I have made no adjustments whatsoever. All of that is in the style sheet definition, the formatting, the indenting. So as long as I have the conditional elements in these styles, which you'll see here uh, if I edit one of these, I have a red bullet through one letter N, which is this square bullet in the typeface that I'm using, and a tab, which is this caret T symbol you see here, then a bold lead-in through any of these possible options, which we saw in the previous example. But I've basically covered the bases here. I have the letter N and a tab, but my tab settings are different depending on which style I'm working on. I actually set it up deliberately this way so that I don't have to deal with this uh, ever ever again. So that's some built-in flexibility right there. I I could quickly mention that InDesign does have its own um, bulleted list options. It has bullets and numbering. This is new to CS2. You can create a bulleted list and and select a character. You can create a numbered list. Um, But there are I find some limitations here, and I set these styles up initially in InDesign CS1 when the numbers and bullets didn't work. This works for me just fine. It allows me all of the customization and flexibility I'm used to, um, and depending on the circumstances, it can do more than the uh, numbered and bulleted list options that you can certainly avail yourself of they're very useful and they're very easy um, but for right now I'm just doing this with nested style sheets on to our next example what I've got here uh, we can kind of ignore this because that's a separate text frame um, but I've got this pull quote um, which I specifically handle with these large quotes at the beginning and the end and it's there's a standard format for attribution uh, who the person's name their title and the context in which they said what's you know, quoted above. And this is something that I format on a regular basis. These are little blurbs that go into my magazine. If you'll notice, if I select this, it is one single style. Built into this style I have a sound byte quote mark f- instruction through one opening quote, then nothing, up to a closing quote, and then for that closing quote, which is one character, I use the uh, quote mark style again. So I've essentially just bookended uh, two character styles around this. What I have here is a character style that I have actually applied manually, because in the context of these quotes I never really know where my call-out information is going to be. It could be any part of this quote. I could think that this sounds like the most interesting thing in the world. But an editor could come along and say, no, that they think that innovative changes in supply chain security will come from the private sector is a more enticing portion of the quote. So, you know, we can just apply soundbite highlighted words to that and do it manually. Same thing down here. This style, which is soundbite attribution. If I edit this, you'll see that it uses the style without any modifications through one m dash, then soundbite attribution name, up to one comma, which you see here, then soundbite attribution title, through one end nested style character. Now this is something we have not yet encountered. We're going to deal with it now. Let's blow this up and see what a End nested style sheet character is, and it's this little blue dash that we're seeing here when I have invisibles turned on, which is why you see these little dots uh, in the spaces. This is an end nested style character. If I delete this, you'll notice that the style changed. Let me undo that, so you can see. This is a, a black or a bold variation. This is a regular variation, and you'll see that that it goes back to uh, the heavier variation with without changing the style. I need to, with my cursor in this position, control-click or right-click on the PC, and scroll down to Insert Special Character, and choose End Nested Style here, and you will see it puts in this little invisible backslash character, which you do not see when I turn invisibles off, and it has made the switch from the end of the person's title to the continuation of this attribution where we say the context in which the quote was made. I could have put uh, end nested style character instructions at the beginning of this and at the end of this, but that's actually more work than just selecting it and choosing the character style, which is why I didn't do it. But here I have a specific place. It's it's one, it's one thing. Insert special character, end nested style here. So it that's easy enough to do. That's a little bit of built-in flexibility. In another example, let's move on yet again. This page you see here is essentially a three column format of body copy. There is you know everything is the same style, it's our default body copy. Uh, This is a first paragraph with drop cap that you see here. And then we have this last paragraph which is also default body copy but it has this little story stop at the end. Let's take a closer look at that. Um, Yet it's still the default body copy. There's nothing different about it. So, how, how is this happening? Well, a story stop is something that I need at the end of everything in my magazine, and I could have created a last paragraph with story stop style in this list, but then I'd have to apply that at the end of every story uh, if a paragraph changed. If the end of the story changed, it would have to be applied to the new paragraph. What I've done here is taken advantage of another great feature in InDesign which we will take a closer look at. If I can zoom in enough And that is the right align tab character. Essentially what the right align tab character does is it moves whatever follows the tab to the far right of the current text frame. In this instance I've got a three column layout and my story stop aligns perfectly to the right of that column. But what if I change my layout to from three columns, as you see here, to two columns? Technically, if I had set this tab manually, my story stop would be somewhere over here, matching the uh, width of the original column. But now it just goes all the way over to the right, whether I have two columns or three columns like we saw before and uh, I'll quickly show you how that's done. It's not that this paragraph is any different except that this paragraph is the only one in which I have used a right align tab and then typed the letter N, which is that character. Had I put a right align tab in here, I would have a story stop there if I had put a right align tab in here I would have a story stop there I have essentially hidden this little story stop in it's essentially a dormant style and until I wake it up by putting in a a right align tab it's not gonna be seen so the good thing about that is the only time I would ever use a right align tab is at the end of a story that you know so Everything in here has that setting, it's just not being used. If I clear these out, they just look like regular paragraphs. So, what is a right align tab? How do you tell um, InDesign how to use it? A right align tab is just shift tab. As far as incorporating that right align tab into a Nested style instruction. You'll see that this is my body copy, which is uh, unaltered through one caret y. That's the uh, special character that InDesign's uh, style sheet settings recognize as a right-aligned tab. You can also use this in the Find and Replace dialog. Like uh, caret p is paragraph, and uh, caret n is soft return, and caret t is tab. Caret y is a right-aligned tab and then after that I use a red bullet through one character. So that's how I set that up, and until I actually put it to use, it just lays there waiting for me to find the end of my story. So if I deleted this, uh, let's say the editor decides that that's gotta go, and we're gonna end on the previous paragraph, then I just shift tab, type the letter in, and I have my new story stop in my existing paragraph. Next week, I will be back, and we will definitely not be covering Nested Style Sheets. I think we have been very thorough about this. It definitely did require three podcasts, but it's time to move on. I don't have a specific episode topic on deck, but I have a few ideas in the wings, and whichever one comes together easiest and quickest is the one that you will see first. In the meantime, I would just like to remind everyone that there is a website attached to this podcast, www.theindesigner.com. Please feel free to visit, post comments on any of the information that I have up there, uh, questions about the podcast. Feel free to uh, register at www.theindesigner.com and post your comments, or send me an email at info at Until next week, this is Michael Murphy for the InDesigner Video Podcast. Thanks for watching. Thank <laughs> you.